0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, January 29th, 2024. four. I'm Broadway Radio, is Matt Tamanini.
1: And I'm Tell Me on the Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I have to tell you, 2024 did not sound like real. It did not sound real.
0: <laughs> did you think I screwed up at first? Like you instinctively yes. said, no, Matt, that's the wrong date. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I literally
1: was like, no, you're wrong.
0: <laughs> no, trust me. I understand oh. all the time. Every time I have to remind myself, if you go back and listen to episodes so far this month, you'll hear me a lot go, whatever day it is, 20. 20- 24, mm-hmm. because I have to remind myself it is not 2023, both like just from a raw repetitiveness standpoint, but also like, sure, what are we doing? Why are we in 2024? Like 2025, which seems like the future. I mean, it is the future, but it seems like, like a made up future away. line. Exactly. Like that's like when Blade Runner was set or something. And like, <sighs> nope, that's I don't know if that's actually when Blade Runner was set, but I think it might be. But that's like less than a year away. It's crazy, time is a flat circle, Grace. But we're gonna make things a little bit more confusing when it comes to time because Grace and I are recording before reviews come out for Days of Wine and Roses that opens on Sunday night on Broadway. I will be back in a matter of seconds to give you those reviews. Grace will not be there because we don't exactly know when the embargo time is up, so it was just easier for me to drop those in separately. So Grace, you are here right now, correct? I'm here, baby. Okay, she is here. She will not be here when we talk about that, but she will be here for the rest of the show. So let's do a little Wayne's World time travel and let's get into the reviews for Days of Wine and Roses. All right, before we get into the reviews, let's go over some of the details about Days of Wine and Roses if you are not familiar with the production. It is a new musical that reunites the team of Craig Lucas and Adam Gettle, who wrote The Light in the Piazza. Lucas wrote the book for this one, and Gettle wrote the music and lyrics. It is based on the play by J.P. Miller, which was subsequently turned into a Warner Brothers film. The show is directed by Michael Greif and choreographed by Sergio Trujillo and Carla Puno Garcia. The show is described thusly, Kelly O'Hara and Brian Darcy James star in a searing new musical about a couple falling in love in 1950s New York, and Struggling against themselves to build their family. The show is currently scheduled to run at Studio 54 through April 28th. That is the Sunday following the Tony eligibility deadline. I would not be surprised if there is an extension based off of uh, future ticket sales and if the word of mouth is good for it because the reviews are pretty strong. When the show had its off-Broadway premiere last year at the Atlantic Theater Company, the reviews were positive, but kind of lukewarmly so. The show, which centers on the effects of alcoholism, wasn't received poorly, but wasn't received incredibly well. The strength of the show was on Brian and Kelly's performances, but it seems like there has been work done on the show since that premiere at the Atlantic. As of recording time, the review aggregator site Did They Like It had recorded 10 reviews, nine of them were positive, and one was mixed. Laura Collins Hughes reviewing for the New York Times did make the show a critic's pick, writing, quote, Seldom have a pair of alcoholics looked as glamorous as they do in Craig Lucas and Adam Gettles' bruised romance of a Broadway musical Days of Wine and Roses, starring Kelly O'Hara and Brian Darcy James as mid-century modern Manhattan lovers free-falling all the way to hell drinks in hand. What's astonishing about this show, though, aside from the central performances which are superb in Gettle's anxious, spiky, sumptuous score which grabs hold of us and doesn't let go, is the way it's devastating chic snuggles right up to catastrophic self-destruction. For all the glossy come-hither of Michael Greif's tone-perfect production, which opened on Sunday night at Studio 54, not for an instant does it glamorize the boozing itself. And yet we can sense the allure, how alcohol might become the one true thing that matters, smoldering wreckage be damned. Deeper, wiser, and warmer than it was in its premiere at Off-Broadway's Atlantic Theater Company last year, it is no longer so wary of melodrama that it's afraid of feeling, too. Gone is the emotional aridity that kept the story at a strange remove. The one mixed review does come from, of course, my favorite critic, Sarah Holdren of Vulture, who said, quote, Why, with such a radiant double center, does Days of Wine and Roses feel constrained, a little narrow and flat? Despite all that vocal brilliance and the lead's real chemistry, the show evokes a specific kind of quietly disheartened sigh. It's the sound of great talents put in the service of material that will almost expand to accommodate them, but not quite. And it's a very common sound on Broadway. Adam Feldman of Time Out in New York, he gave the show four to five stars, writing, quote, Days of Wine and Roses reunites composer Adam Gettle with playwright Craig Lucas. As in their previous collaboration, 2005's The Light and the Piazza, the result is ambitious, artful, and musically sophisticated. Chris Jones was mixed to positive writing for the New York Daily News, saying, quote, The show is caught in the middle, but it's still a beautifully directed, acted, written and composed piece about, yes, alcohol, but also about our responsibility to the very few people in our lives who depend on us absolutely for their own happiness and survival. We all have them. This show might help with that. One A. Ramirez reviewing for Theaterly said, quote, Transferring to Broadway after a well-received premiere at the Atlantic last summer, Kelly O'Hara and Brian Darcy James give astonishing voice to two lovers drowning in alcoholism. The subject matter is almost corrosively downbeat, but with its two leads at the top of their game, the one act musical becomes a cathartic, deeply felt tonic. We will end with Robert Hoffler reviewing for the rap with an appropriately rapturous review. He said, quote, The only major criticism to level at Days of Wine and Roses is that it took Gettle so long to write his third musical, which can easily take its place as one of the few great musicals of this century. If you would like to read more of these and other reviews, I will have the review roundup from Did They Like It in the show notes. All right, after those reviews, let's take a real quick second to talk about our sponsor for this week, Better Help. So much about how we relate to the world and how we feel about ourselves and our lives has to do with the relationships that are the most important to us, whether that is emotionally, personally, or professionally. And a common misconception about relationships is that they all have to be easy to be right. And that is not true sometimes some of the best relationships are the ones that you have to put the most work into whether those are romantic familial personal or professional and therapy can be an incredible opportunity to work through the challenges you face in any and all of your relationships therapy is a perfect way for you to be able to talk through whatever is challenging you with somebody who is there to listen and guide you to make the best decisions for you and your relationships
1: Therapy can be one of those things too, that is so we've, we've especially like growing up in the South, it was such a taboo topic, right? Like nobody wanted to say that they went to therapy and now we live in this age where all my girlfriends are like, okay, so what did your therapist say? Oh, really? Because this person said this and like, how did you get into it? So it's just one of those things that I think that we're all learning is going to be a part of our daily routine, our weekly routine, and there is no better way to start with better help. It's something that I recommend pretty immediately to people that are just starting out It's not only like a wonderful gateway into it, but it's also something that has ease of access, even for ongoing therapy recipients. Like I think that it's just something that we have to learn with positive coping skills, how to set those boundaries, how to take care of yourself in ongoing fashion that's not just based on like one trauma or another. Sometimes we just need this for day-to-day life and it is really, really an incredible tool.
0: So become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com Broadway today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com Broadway. All right, Grace, one of these questions that has been flying around the interwebs in most theatrical circles over the last few days is whether or not Boop, exclamation point, the Betty Boop musical, is coming to Broadway in 2025. Well, there are conflicting reports. So the show's star, Jasmine Amy Rogers, was on TV this past week on WNBC's New York Live, and she... I think she was promoting the Jimmy Awards concert at 54 Below or something. And she had said that Boop was going to be coming to Broadway in 2025. And she said that she was, quote, very excited to be able to share the, the news. However, apparently that is not necessarily confirmed despite the show's star saying it on a major TV network because Playbill followed up with production representatives and they confirmed that while that is still the current hope Nothing is official, uh, and it appears that maybe Jasmine got a little bit ahead of herself with announcing something that they didn't necessarily want announced just yet. However... That has always been the assumption, as far as I was concerned, Grace, that this show would come in in this, not this current season, but the next season. And it was just a matter of time, whether we found out it was going to be in the fall of 2024 or in the spring of 2025. Of course, there's a long time between now and even just the fall, despite the fact that it is still actually officially 2024. So to me, Grace, what this sounds like is, is like they're planning on coming in 2025. Just maybe Jasmine wasn't supposed to talk about it on TV just yet.
1: That's so rough. <laughs> I have been there. Know, right? Not Yeah. Like where, you know, sometimes when you're especially actors in a show, you're working on, you know, your, your kind of agreements, your, your contracts, your, your availabilities so early on that you kind of lose sight of track of all time. Like you kind of, just think, oh, well, everybody knows this now because it's been a part of your life for the mm-hmm. past couple of months, but actually there's like a whole press rollout plan usually. So that's just, it's just challenging or it was intentional. You know, I've also seen that where people have said, you know, if you, if you leak this, like it didn't come from us, but you know, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if that was part of their strategy, even though I don't believe that that's the case here. I certainly assumed that this would be a part of the fall uh slot oh, really? campaign, but it's yeah, I, it, but it's really exciting to know if it is true that they're aiming for the spring. That is a very intentional, you know what, there's been a track record in the last two years that the fall has been particularly hard on new shows. So I think that I think it makes sense for them. If that's really what they're going with, then go for it.
0: I will say that I hadn't put this all together yet, but I would say that spring makes more sense for them just because of who their director is. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jerry Mitchell would be helming Becoming Nancy in London, as well as The Devil Wears Prada in London next fall. So both of them are coming in the September, October, November range for their rehearsals, uh, previews and openings. So I do think he's going to be in the UK for the majority of the fall. So that would mean that just in terms of, as you were talking about, working out of availability, that J-Prod will probably not be in and around New York City until 2025. So that would make sense just from when the director choreographer is available. So, all right, Grace, um, not a ton going on on the Broadway landscape this week in terms of like openings and closings and previews. As we are recording, Gutenberg the Musical is wrapping up its run on Broadway. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I already mentioned Days of Wine and Roses, and you have already heard all of the reviews, even though... I have not yet heard the reviews in this current moment. The one other thing that I want to talk about happening on the theatrical schedule this week is the fact that the Broadway revival of Doubt, a parable, begins performances on Friday, February 2nd over at the American Airlines Theater. That is from the Roundabout Theater Company. This, of course, is the Pulitzer Prize winning play from John Patrick Shanley. Scott Ellis is directing an insane cast of stars, Tyne Daly, Liev Schreiber, Quincy Tyler Bernstein, and Zoe Kazan. I have Wait, seen production.
1: No, what? pause, pause, Matt. Zoe yes. Kazan is in this production?
0: Yes, you know what? We've talked about that before on a show called Today on Broadway.
1: Broadway. But can I just say, I have seen, because I want to I blow them up a little bit in a good way, like their media team put together a really stunning digital ad that has been all over my TikTok feed. It's really, really, really great stuff. I was really moved by it. There's there's two of them going out right now, but there's one that I think is really, really powerful. Zoe Kazan is not featured in it. So I have just been <laughs> seeing like the back of Lee Shriver's head and like, it's just been like over and over and over yeah. whatever. Um, So it totally didn't occur to me anymore that she was involved. That makes total sense, but also that's kind of insane.
0: Yeah, she's great. Like that cast is going to be incredible. It is currently only scheduled to run through April 14th. That might be tough to get any extensions because Home begins performances on May 17th. So with Loadout and load in, I'm not sure that there was going to be any opportunities for an extension on this one. So make sure that you see this cast. It's interesting that this is closing down before Tony nominations. Obviously, those are all pretty big stars, so they very well could have other things going on. Or maybe it's just like, hey, this is the slot they get. But even despite this one being closed, Grace, when we talk about play revivals, there are only four. I do not know how any of these four don't get Tony nominations between An Enemy of the People, Doubt, Pearly Victorious, and Uncle Vanya. By rule, only three of those can get a nomination unless there is a tie of some sort. So I'm really, really hoping for a tie because I would hate for any of those four just on reputation. Obviously, we've only seen Pearly Victorious, but like if, if one of those four didn't get nominated, it would seem like a travesty even before they uh, most of them begin performances. All right, speaking of awards, Grace, last week we talked about like the newly rearranged Obie Awards and how they were not going to be doing a ceremony. Instead, they were going to be just announcing the winners and then presenting them with some sort of Uh, of Honorarium and Cash Prize. Well, they did that on Friday, so I'm gonna run through all of the winners. Starting with the best new American play, that went to Ryan J. Haddad's Dark Disabled Stories. The Playwriting Awards went to Hansel Young for Wolf Play and Bruce Norris for Downstate. Direction went to Dustin Willis for working on Montag, Wet Brain, and Wolf Play. The Next Direction Award went to Shayok Micha Chaudhry for Public Obscenities and then Faye Driscoll for Weathering. Sustained Achievement in Directing went to Eric Ting for The Far Company and The Comeuppance, and Pam McKinnon for Downstate. The Performance Awards went to William Jackson Harper in Primary Trust, Marla Mendel for Titanic, Zalima Guevara for San Cocho, and Marianne Plunkett for Deep Blue Sound. Sustained Achievement in Performance we went to Shannon Tio for The Comeuppance, The Far Country, and Regretfully So the Birds Are, John Douglas Thompson for Endgame in Hamlet, and K. Todd Freeman for Downstate. I'll also have links in the show notes for where you can check out the Design Awards, Sustained Achievement in Design, all of the special citations. The Lifetime Achievement, I will mention, went to Peggy Shaw and Lois Weaver and Carol Rothman. Theater Grants went to Breaking the Binary Theater Company, Dominican Artists Collective, and The Brick. If you want to check out everything in um, this year's Obie Awards, head over to the show notes. But Grace, overall, there's a lot of shows that I know you were really a big fan of over this past year.
1: Lots of Asians. Lots of Asians mentioned. Really like to see that. Um, love Shannon. Um, love Hansel Young. Um, I loved uh, Wolf Play. There's a lot of really, really great stuff here. And congratulations to Breaking the Binary Festival. Recently met one of their founders, George, um, at the Goodspeed Festival and learn more about them there. So you can, um, if you're interested, it's it, completely free to attend. Uh, and they do really, really amazing stuff and they properly compensate all of their theater makers. So it's it's really great.
0: Awesome. All right, Grace, let's wrap up with a very cool look at Gutenberg, the musical, as I mentioned earlier. It's closing on Sunday, but the show's set designer, Scott Pask, released a video from a rehearsal when they did... Spoiler alerts, but I guess the show's closed, so it doesn't really matter. When they did the transformation as they went from like the reading of Gutenberg, which is what the vast majority of the show is, to the actual production, and you see what would be the set for Gutenberg the musical on Broadway. It is a very cool thing. Uh, Andrew Reynolds and Josh Gad in the middle of that rehearsal kind of looking at the set for the first time. So very, very cool. Love that. I hope that everybody enjoyed that production. Grace, we are recording before... The the show is actually officially done, but and no cheating, if you know the answer to this already, who do you guess is the final producer in Gutenberg?
1: Oh, if I had to guess. If I had to guess, I would think that it's um, Alex Timbers, but I I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. What do you think?
0: I don't know. Um,
1: Or the original creators like that would be great.
0: That would be cool. I would also love to see like a Nikki M. James uh, jump in there uh, as well. I think that would be cool. Or Rory O'Malley has has Rory done it already? I don't know. Yeah, Um, I I think
1: he did come.
0: Okay, so I would love to see like a Nikki uh, in there, or maybe even Matt Trey and Bobby come in as a as a trio from Book of Mormon. So uh, I don't know, but I will definitely uh, be looking out for that on social media on Sunday night, and we will bring it to you when that is available. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio, and you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you?
1: You can find me at It's Grace Aki. All
0: right, everybody, have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.